episode of the Touch Points podcast put on by East Point Bible Church. In this episode of the Touch Points podcast, we will be continuing in our series of episodes drawing conclusions and helpful biblical truths from the book Cultivation of Christian Character by J. Oswald Sanders. Our subject of focus in today's episode will be on what it means to be in Christ and for Christ to be in us. Certain glorious and foundational concepts in Scripture go sadly unnoticed or taken lightly due to perhaps the obscurity of a passage, its location in Scripture not being super well-visited or unpopular, Uh, maybe the abstractness of the concept, Um, it isn't very concrete, isn't very simple, isn't very easily understood just because of the wording or the phrasing being used, or the lack of attention given to its details that are found in the biblical text. One of the more understudied, underappreciated, and undervalued truths of Scripture is the reality of the believer being in Christ. Such simple words can easily be glossed over or missed by readers of God's Word. Sometimes the smallest of phrases contain the largest and grandest of truths. Just like the smallest of openings in the ground can be a doorway to the largest and most impressive caves. Something that seems insignificant on the surface can often lead to something truly magnificent and earth-shattering when to enter through that small opening. And so that's the way it is with the words in Christ. They are something so small, something so seemingly insignificant, something so simple, and yet it opens up to a great cavern of truth for the believer to know That causes us to worship God in such a rich and vibrant way as we reflect on the truth contained in those simple phrases of in Christ, Christ in us. This small phrase has a big meaning and it is not hard to find in scripture. Over 40 times in the New Testament, the phrase in Christ or a similar phrase is used to describe the believer's new relationships with God in our new condition before God. The significance of these concepts is undeniable due to the great number of references used to describe our condition in relationship with God in this way of being in Christ. And so together, let's spend some time examining this wonderful, widespread, but often overlooked phrase, in Christ. And let's also look at some others like it, and so we can reap the great spiritual benefits and knowledge from dwelling on these sweet truths of our salvation in Christ. We'll be examining three interconnected yet distinct phrases from Scripture, which are well summarized um, by these three truths about every child of God. The believer is in Christ, Christ is in the believer, and Christ is to be formed in the believer. These three essential truths of Scripture emphasize the following. In Christ summarizes our spiritual condition and position before God. Christ in us summarizes our new relationship with Jesus. And Christ being formed in us summarizes the spiritual growth that should define the new life of a believer who is in Christ and Christ is in them. So let's unpack each of these key phrases and examine the biblical truth that can be found in each. The first phrase, in Christ, portrays the believer's spiritual condition and position before God. In Christ is used, quite interestingly, by Paul as a frequent 
title or descriptor of those who are believers of Jesus. He uses it all throughout his epistles and letters in the New Testament to refer to those who are saved by Jesus. One of the greatest examples of this is in Romans 16, 7 through 10, where Paul writes, Greet Andronicus and Junius, my kinsmen and fellow prisoners, who are outstanding among the apostles, who also were in Christ before me. And greet Ampliatus, my beloved in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ. And Stachus, my beloved. Greet Apelles, approved in Christ. And greet those who are the household of Aristobulus. Ephesians 1.1, Colossians 1.2, 1 Thessalonians 1.1, 1 2 Thessalonians 1.1 1 1 are all references where Paul addresses his audience as those who are in Christ or in Christ Jesus. Peter concludes his first letter, 1 Peter in 1 Peter 5:14 as peace to all of you who are in Christ. And so we see throughout the New Testament this is a common phrase used to allude to those who are believers who are saved. But what does it mean to be in Christ? What idea is Paul communicating, Peter communicating when he refers to believers in this way? One of the greatest verses in the Bible has an often overlooked in Christ as its cornerstone behind its statement. And that verse is Romans 8.1, where Paul writes, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So there's no condemnation, no judgment, no punishment for sins. For who? Those who are in Christ Jesus. What does this mean? To understand what it means to be in Christ in Romans 8.1, one simply, and I say simply to summarize, but it is quite the read, but quite a good read. One needs to read Romans 1 through 7. Because in doing so, of reading what Paul has previously written, it becomes clear that to be in Christ means to become unified or one with him in the death that he died and the life that he attained by his resurrection. So when you read Romans 1 through 7, you read our predicament, our condition, and yet the solution of Christ that he brings to the table in God's redemptive plan to save sinners and to bring them and reconcile them to God. A key passage in those first seven chapters of Romans that explains what it means to be in Christ is Romans 6, 4 through 11, where Paul writes that the believer has been united with Christ in his death and that we are also united with him in his, in his resurrection, meaning that our sin died in Christ and the punishment was resolved in Christ and that in Jesus, we are raised to a new life. Paul concludes with this wonderful verse in Romans six eleven where he writes, even so consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. So in salvation, the believer becomes united to Christ. The death of Christ that he died, they died. And the resurrection that he had, they participated in. The result is this, an individual dead to the consequences and power of sin, and having new life in Christ. 
What a wonderful reality. What a wonderful, indescribable, yet true reality that we are united in Christ, in his death and resurrection. And that our condition, our problem is resolved in him. And our union with Christ, positionally in his death and resurrection, is not something that we attain or reach or achieve, but something that's done by God. 1 Corinthians 1.30 says this, But by his doing, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Did you hear that key phrase? By his doing, you are in Christ Jesus. By his free grace and the gift of faith, God unifies the sinner with his son to where the life, death, and resurrection of Christ is shared by us, thus making the believer righteous, innocent, and alive to God. God causes us by his doing, by his work, by his power, by the extension of his will to be in Christ associated, united with him in his death, in his life, and in his resurrection, to where the benefits and the consequences of those things are shared by us. Paul sums it up well in 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. The new things that we are before God have come because we have been united with Christ. Sanders writes, the reality of Christ in us is first a fact to be believed, then an experience to be enjoyed. What a fact that we can believe, that the believer is in Christ, having all of what Christ has done, theirs shared by them, participated with him, partaked with him because we were were united with him in what he experienced and what he went through. The second phrase that we're going to focus on together is Christ in us, which is our relationship with Jesus. Sanders has some really keen words on this marvelous reality. He writes, Through ignorance, or perhaps through ignoring this glorious truth that Christ is in us, dwells in us, lives in us, many Christians are still living in a pre-Pentecostal experience, knowing only a distant external Savior living in heaven. They have never experienced the indwelling of Christ in them as a consciously enjoyed blessing, and yet is an, an incontrovertible fact. Consider for a moment the sheer wonder and glory of the truth that Christ lives in his people from these passages. Colossians 3.11, a renewal which there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, and free man. And here's the truth, but Christ is all and in all. Galatians 2.20 Paul writes, I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. In the life with which I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God 
who loved me and gave himself up for me. Christ in us, Christ living in us, the spirit, the presence of our savior dwelling in us alongside our person is a biblical reality. He does not become us and we do not become him in the sense where there is a loss of separate personhood. But salvation welcomes Christ to home in the heart of a saved sinner. During his earthly ministry, Jesus was around his people, his disciples. He was limited willingly and temporarily by his physical flesh. But now reigning and ruling in his glorious condition in heaven, his omnipresence enables his presence to reside in the believer in a closeness and a proximity unlike any other relationship. He dwells and lives and resides in each of his beloved people together with them, not separated from them. The wondrous workings of his presence in our lives, we cannot fully comprehend or explain. But it is a reality we must believe. And it's a reality that should be of great encouragement to us, that Christ is in us, inseparably and immovably. Finally, let's look at the last phrase of our focus in this episode. Christ formed in us, which gives the nature of our spiritual growth in our life direction. Galatians 4.19, Paul writes, My children, with whom I am again in labor until Christ is formed in you. And later in Colossians 1.28, Paul writes, We proclaim him, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom, so that we may present every man complete in Christ. We are in Christ positionally. Christ is in us relationally, spiritually. And we are called to grow to be more like him in maturity. The idea can be summarized by this simple idea. Christ formed in us means more Jesus and less self-life, as Sanders says. The Christian life is the regression and dismissal of the old self in our life and the growth of Christ impacting and influencing everything the believer does. Christ is in us, but he can be more of us. We can increase his influence in our lives. We can be transformed from degree to degree of being more like him who dwells within. Christ formed in us is the idea of Christ gradually, increasingly becoming more of who we are and shaping the decisions that we make, the attitudes that we have, and the behaviors that we do. Sanders gives us this great encouragement of how this happens, or at least one key area in which this happens. How is the process of forming Christ within the believer advanced? Every circumstance of our lives has been planned with this end in view. Our heredity and environment, our temperament, and all the frustrations and disappointments of life are not the result of blind chance, 
They are the careful planning of an omniscient and all-loving God. As we subject ourselves to the word of God, the lordship of Christ, and the leading of the spirit, the circumstances will combine to wean us from the old life of self-pleasing and to conform us to the image of Christ. Our father loves us so well that he places us in positions of great difficulty and perplexity, withdraws some cherished object of love, and places us to live and work with or among uncongenial people, all in order that we may despair ourselves and learn to draw more on the resources which are for us in Christ. What Sanders said so well is that the end goal of God in every single one of his people is Christ being formed to a greater degree, to a greater extent in them, where we are more Christ and less self-life, old life, the life that existed before. In all circumstances, all situations, all conditions are for that end and for that good that Christ be formed in us. I sincerely hope that these truths that we have explored through Scripture and these truths that we have enjoyed to reflect on together have been encouraging to you. We are in Christ Our position before God is secure. Christ is in us. Our communion with our Savior is remarkable. And Christ formed in us, the objective for our lives is clear for us. Be blessed by these truths. Yearn to understand these truths more. And praise God for what he has done to make us be in Christ. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Touchpoints Podcast. God bless. We trust that you have been blessed by listening to this week's episode of Touchpoints, a weekly podcast produced by East Point Bible Church in Peru, Indiana. To learn more about East Point, we would love to connect with you by reaching out via our website at ebcperu.org. That's ebcperu.org. Thank you.